This episode is brought to you by Wine to Digital, the home of Italian Wine Podcast. Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast. My name is Monty Walden and my guest today is Tuscan winemaker Bibi Gretz. Welcome. Hi. So the first question is, how does somebody who only started making wine in 2000 and has no formal winemaking training make such a name for himself in such a short time? Well, I believe, I mean... the You don't have to be modest. No, I mean, I, I have been very much in love from the first moment with the work in the vineyard. So I've been really fascinating from day one and trying to look at the plants, you know, try to understand what they needed and how to express themselves in, in the best way. And this has been the, the, the run that has been uh, following me from the first moment and really trying to do something special out of the of the vineyard. I think it made a difference because there is a general you know, saying around, okay, yeah, nowadays everybody you know can do good wines. I don't believe at all in this thing here. If you want to do something really special, you need to put the heart in it. And you can do anything good. I mean, whatever. It can be kitchen, it can be furniture. But you need to put the real heart in it. Heart. And then you can do always something modern and updated. No? So tell me a little bit about your family. You were born on a, an estate near Florence in Fiesole yeah. with a, a huge chateau and a small vineyard. Is that right? I was born in uh, this uh, beautiful place. And my family has been always has been an artist families family so my father's a sculptor has been sculpting the whole life and my mother was the wife of a sculptor and we were living quite a bohemian life and uh, but quality oriented somehow no? good kitchen good things i mean uh, attention for values more than for things you know so we had a fantastic mother that always that was a, she's norwegian but she became like an italian mama you know, a big chioccia you say you know with the chicken under her arms you know doing fantastic food open door open table and I mean so I've been brought up with this kind of values and we try to you know bring it in our wine you know, quality and, and good things you know? so was wine an important part of the family family dining experience it was important in the sense that we had the two hectares of vines and the wine was there. I mean, the cellar was full of wine, but I mean, we didn't bottle it. We were just, I mean, it was just really beautiful Chianti wine. The gardener was doing the wine and everything. So it was more a cultural thing than a, a, a business. So when I started, I started from completely scratch. I didn't even know what Sassicaia was until 2000. I didn't know anything about the wine business. So has that been an advantage to you that you, when you did start making your own wine, you weren't sort of following fashion or or trends for maybe these really big wines that were in fashion and these oaky wines, and you've gone in completely the other direction, haven't you? It's hard to say. Maybe it may be easier to dare when you don't know uh, when you don't really know what you have in front of yourself. In fact, I have been having a lot of doors in my face <laughs> by doing my crazy projects uh, looking very ambitiously you know, to other big, big fantastic names and wines and just I, I want to do that. I want to go there. Huh? So you're very, you're very much your own man doing your own thing and your focus has been indigenous Italian grapes rather than say Bordeaux varieties or Rhone varieties or Chardonnay and things like that. Why was that? Was that about flavour? Was it because you wanted to be a revolutionary or because you valued these intrinsic qualities of these indigenous Italian grapes? Well, I was just very fascinated by old vineyards. I, I, when I came to Vinitaly the first time, it was like two or three years before I actually started the project. I 
found some producer that were doing their wines only for 30 years old vineyards uh, to get into that. It was really fascinating, this thing here of the old vineyard. So, I, and I naturally, I mean, our vineyard was an old vineyard. And when you start working with an old vineyard, you naturally go down to indigenous varieties because you don't find in, in our area in Tuscany, Merlot and Cabernet from the old times. And uh, it's all coming back, back from the you know, late 90s. So it was a natural thing to go for. You know? And I felt that there was something interesting there also. By you know slowly getting near to the wine business, I felt that it was very important to this kind of thing instead of... I mean, when I started, it was, it was really the, the, the peak of the Merlot and, and the Cabernet story you know, in, in Tuscany. And for me, it was not what people wanted to hear. Also, something that was... If you spoke about old vineyards and old Sangioveses, people was giving a lot of attention. So you, you said you had some doors slammed in your face. So on the one hand, you're saying that people are, were getting a little bit bored with Merlot and Cabernet, but on the other hand, people were possibly a bit resistant to indigenous varieties. How did you bridge that gap? Well, it's more, you know, when you do something like extreme, like I did, uh, looking at, you know, pricings and really going uh, sky high. I mean, you always find people or, or they love you or they hate you. So it's more or you know, a personal thing with me than rather than the Sangiovese or Merlot or whatever it is. It's kind of the attitude. But then I'm also very sensible. So when I started, I mean, the whole day was always, you know, hey, I spoke, I tasted your wine, and, oh, fantastic wine. I know, we tasted the wine, we said, oh, wow, we hated the wine. I mean, in one day you could go, your mood could go up and down 10 times <laughs> by people loving you or hating you. But isn't that a little bit the Bohemian way, though? Some, some people either like your art or they hate your art, and it's the same with wine. It's such a personal thing. Yeah, probably. You, know. you said you were sensible. You, I think what you meant is you're, you're very sensitive. But being sensitive, does that not help you get in tune with your vineyard, in tune with your vines, in tune with your plants and natural cycles? Is that is that the great benefit that you think that you have in terms of the quality you achieve in your wine, that you are so in touch with nature? I mean, it's definitely. I mean, if you, if you, if you have... Uh, an, uh, an idea you know and it's uh, I mean you need to you need to see it first and then when you see it you try to perceive it no? so uh, definitely it's important I mean it's a, a crucial thing in my whole thing because otherwise I mean you cannot just say okay I'm I mean I'm doing an expensive wine I mean people is not interesting I mean you need to do something really special and then people are going to think that that's interesting. I mean, so what you've been doing is searching out native grape varieties like uh, Ansonica and Vermentino, Trebbiano Moscato for white, Canaiolo, Corolino, Sangiovese for red. What makes those grapes special and what makes them special when they're grown and made by you? Is it just about old vines or is it about where the, where the grapes oh, are? No, it's a combination. I mean, the, first of all, I mean, you need to, as I told you, you need to see what you have in front of yourself. So, I mean, the vineyard is large no and there are i mean if you if you really look at the vineyard in a, in a careful way you see that there are many different things happening within your vineyard and if you manage to capture these differences you can actually bring i mean within one hectare of vines we can do 10 different wines because you are looking at your vineyards and you know exactly what your grapes can give you and which kind of wines are actually benefiting from this kind of characters so it is the grape variety obviously it's fantastic but i mean i think it's very much about how you how you actually act and how you work because it's I mean at the end of the day it's 
a man work. It's a transformation of something of the na- of the nature. It's fantastic, but you need to you need to see it. I like to make uh, great Sangiovese, but I mean it's not the only answer. I mean you can do great Merlot, great Cabernet. I mean, just, as long as you're doing you know a fantastic job, it's good. So when you say a vineyard, you can make six different wines from one vineyard. Are you are you saying there that you sort of break the vineyard up? Maybe the lower slope is going to give you different quality to grapes planted higher up the slope or facing a different aspect of the sun. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, the, especially the soil different. The soil in Tuscany is always very, there is a lot of variation in the soil. In the same vineyard, you have different kinds of soils and different kinds of plants that give you a completely different fruits. So with one wine, you would think maybe this is could be potentially a wine that can go in Testamata, this one could go in Colore, this one could go in Sofocone, this one could go in the sparkling wine. I mean, everything can get the best out of it. So tell me a little bit about the names of your wines. As you, you mentioned a couple there, you've got some very idiosyncratic names for your wines, like Testamata, that means a crazy head, right? Yeah. Yeah, is that was that? Did you name that after you, yourself? <laughs> well, Why I, you? I when I started the project, I mean, I believed a lot in quality in all round. No, so it means the um, everything must be done in the right way. And it took me like nearly two years to find the name. I mean, I had I had already made the wine and I had already sold the wine. I didn't still find the name for it. It was really hard because I mean, when you start with something like this, it's not. I mean, you know, this is a is something that is really important. It's you. It's yourself. It's your life choice. It's everything. So you need to find something that is really representing something for you somehow. And it took me nearly two years to find the name of the wine. And then suddenly I was in a wine bar and I was writing. I've been writing millions of names and suddenly I wrote it wow that's it Testamata Testamata and it's a very strong name it's a very statement kind of thing I've always been fascinated by this kind of thing and before I was doing winemaking I opened a, a flower decoration company it was called Crazy Flowers so it's following me you know this kind of theme you know and uh, one of the wines that were really fascinating me when I started uh, as a name was they have this uh, Cadel Pazzo, which is a Brunello, no? somewhere in, uh, in Montalcino. So it's, uh, I'm kind of fascinated by this kind of thing. Would you describe yourself as a perfectionist or as a pragmatist or a mix of both? Well, I would describe myself more as an impressionist. Yeah, when I when I get into the detail, you know, I go really down. No, I, I, I no, really deep, deep. But then when I then I move myself somewhere, it's not you know move myself around do you um do you work to lunar cycles are you, are you someone that's sort of influenced by the moon or not a bit but not so much i mean i'm so much in that direction i mean we do everything organic because we want to do our part of doing it clean now the world <laughs> trying to be nice so we do everything organic but i mean i'm not so i mean especially when you do the bottling we try to be careful with this kind of thing but we're not 100 fanatic about it do you think your way of working is catching on now in Tuscany? There are a lot of uh, smaller winemakers now doing working sort of naturally, organically, biodynamically, creating some fantastic wines. Do you see yourself as not saying leading a revolution, but as playing a part in that revolution or evolution? Well, I keep myself a lot into by myself in this thing here. I mean, I don't do it this. I don't do it as a marketing idea. I don't want my norm. I mean, I just do it for doing my part, you know, in being clean. I mean, this is kind of the goal. Then I think the quality you achieve it in a different. I mean, the wine the quality of the wines was there also before I became organic I mean it's more the quality you do it 
by again by looking at the grapes no? and we do very little green harvest I mean practically zero green harvest or we tend to do five percent you know, just a sanitary green harvest we don't use cultivated yeast uh, we don't use temperature control during fermentation we don't use bleeding practically zero new oak it's a very zero, natural so. style of winemaking well more than natural is to preserve as much as I can the value that I have in the vineyard so everything that you do interacts put sulfides it put down the flavors you do new oak you cut down the parfums you do cultivated yeast it changes things it makes it more you know structure but less uh, mineral I don't know. everything that you do interacts uh, I mean you do green harvest you do more muscular wines but you kind of uniform yourself you know so everything you do it's done for quality it's not for health it's for quality which then becomes health <laughs> because quality me a smile is a is health you know? so that's your pragmatic side uh, with your um, artistic side Bibi, listen, it's great to talk to you. Fascinating um, to hear your views on uh, how to sort of grow wine naturally, but in a very pragmatic way. And I hope to see you in Tuscany. Thank you. Welcome to Thanks for your time. Yeah. This episode has been brought to you by wine to digital the home of Italian Wine Podcast. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.